Chapter Eight of An Irishman's Difficulties with the Dutch Language by Kiwi Nguayl. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Anna Simon. Chapter Eight. Out for a walk. Starting one morning for a long ramble in the country, I took the first stage by tram. It was very early, and as there were no other passengers, the conductor was disposed to be communicative. He was absolutely eager to talk, and he came up to me at once. Now I have noticed that at one time it is much easier to express oneself in a foreign language than at another. Sometimes the grammar you have mastered becomes positively oppressive, and your tongue refuses to lend itself to the task. I cannot tell whether it may be due to barometric pressure or to some electrical condition, but on certain days I cannot, to put it mildly, come up to my normal standard, either of perspicuity or ease. This was one of my bad days, and I was little inclined to respond to the conductor's advances. Fate was against me, however, for I didn't know the name of the place I was bound for. Enderby had several times taken me to a pretty village some few miles from The Hague. It was the terminus of the tram-line, and I proposed to tram there first, and then to start out on my country walk. I had never troubled much about the geography of the district, and consequently was quite in the dark now as to what the village was called. This was awkward, for the talkative conductor was already at hand trying to open conversation. He made a first essay by producing his bunch of tickets and asking me, Hoe ver, meneer? I waved my hand and said, De gehele weg. Seeing he was not satisfied with this, I amplified the remark by adding, Naar het einde. As he was still slightly bewildered, I glanced up to the tram car itself to ascertain, if possible, its destination. The designation of the village would surely be printed somewhere on the vehicle. Happily, I could just make out the end of a long series of hard words, the name Simplex. Pointing to this with a careless flourish of my stick, I said, Ja, ik ga even naar Simplex. Net, meneer, he laughed. Ha, ha, overal reclame. Before he had recovered from my unconscious wit, I perceived the error into which I had fallen. Simplex was merely a cycle advertisement. Then I laughed as heartily as he, saying, Gunst, ja, overal, which emboldened him to be still more familiar. He fancied that I was a perfect master of Dutch, and could even joke in it. He talked most volubly, and, my reputation as a linguist being now at stake, Whenever he made a slight pause, I was obliged to say something to show I understood. I didn't understand, but I started him off always when he was inclined to stop, and I kept him going by a careful use of ja and nee. If he appeared to expect agreement, I threw in a hearty natuurlijk, ja zeker, or wel van mijn leven. At other points, and for variety's sake, I interjected indignant negatives, wel nee. And now and then even, Och, kom, with the peculiar shake of the head that accompanies this phrase. The plan was brilliantly successful. True, he stopped sometimes and took a long queer look at me, but he was one of those garrulous people that require little encouragement, and the flood of his reminiscences always poured forth again as freely as ever. 
We got along famously together, though I didn't know one word he said, till we came opposite a tall church. Nodding patronizingly towards this building, he said, Pracht van een kerk, adding something about a hoge toren. Here I felt on solid ground. I understood him thoroughly. My natural wish to take an intelligent part in the conversation would be gratified if only I could say something about that edifice, and one of the fresh idioms that I had recently acquired occurring to me, I promptly gave it to him by way of reply. Ja, prachtig, het is kolossaal mooi. This choice idiom I had got just the day before from a policeman. We had been standing in front of a florist's window, the policeman and I, admiring the tiny vases of lilies of the valley that were displayed there, when I heard him murmur half to himself and half to me, Colossal moi! The combination so captivated my fancy that I added it without delay to my working stock. The tram conductor emphatically agreed with my criticism. Colossal, he repeated. Thus encouraged, I attempted to contribute something further to the conversation, and catching sight of a lofty lightning conductor on the church steeple, I tried to draw his attention to it by an easy grammatical remark. The word lightning conductor did not seem to present difficulties. Lightning, of course, I remembered, though I ought to have forgotten it long ago. No doubt it was to be approached with caution, but as this was a matter of pure science, I felt tolerably safe. As for conductor, there could be little doubt as to the way to render that, for conducteur was stamped on the tramman's buttons and had been staring me in the face for the last half hour. Those buttons were as good as a dictionary. Putting together, then, the component parts of lightning conductor, I hazarded a bold guess, and waving my hand towards the steeple, I said cordially, Ja, de toren is mooi, kolossaal mooi. Gunst, ja, zo is ook die bliksemconducteur, vindt u niet? Well, he stopped as if I had struck him. His face got fiery red, and he walked away without a word. What had I done? There was no denying something had gone wrong. Evidently the man was choking with rage, and he didn't as much as glance at me for the rest of the journey. That same afternoon I reported the affair to Enderby, who grew quite gruff and crusty before I had finished the narration. "'Didn't I warn you,' he grumbled, "'against those horrid expressions that you seem so fond of. "'You must really take care, O'Neill, "'or I won't speak to you as long as you stay in Holland.' "'It was useless to assure him "'that I'd referred to the lightning conductor "'merely in its permissible and scientific sense. "'He would listen to no explanations. "'You simply can't imagine how shocking "'all that talk of yours sounds, "'or you wouldn't attempt to justify your vulgarity.' "'Begging your lordship's pardon,' I retorted ironically, "'for all my unseemly conduct. "'May I inquire humbly what the dignified term is? "'Onweersconducteur, perhaps? "'Or weerlichtsconducteur? "'Nonsense!' he almost shouted. "'The thing's quite easy. "'Bliksemafleider!' "'Aha!' I could not help retorting. "'You see, after all, you are in the wrong.' You warned me against lightning, quite needlessly, you now admit, but you never said a syllable about that really dangerous word, conductor. But 
to return to my trip that lovely morning. The tram duly reached Simplex, and the conductor was unfeignedly relieved to see me alight. It was perfect weather, and my annoyances were soon forgotten. There was such a shimmer and haze and play of light over the white landscape as I have seen only in Holland. I was delighted. Such a scene is an inspiration. It makes one wish to be a painter or a poet or something. Subtle and delicate shades varied the long stretches of green meadow. Clumps of trees, church towers, tiny red-roofed villages dotted the landscape, while here and there, as far as the eye could reach, wide canals, the very pictures of tranquillity, reflected the great white clouds sailing overhead. Splendid! Splendid! I exclaimed to myself, and charming indeed did my ramble prove to be. But the day was hot, and I was glad at last, about eleven o'clock, to come to a good-sized tea-garden, over the entrance to which stood in conspicuous letters, outspanning. Here was cool shade under broad trees, and here were innumerable little tables at which a number of people were seated, laughing and chattering and lunching pleasantly, while little children, some of them not more than three years old, kept running about and playing games. And all these tiny tots, too, were talking Dutch, happily and unconcerned, tossing about in childish glee and with incredible ease, onbepaalde wijzen, verleden deelwoorden en voorzetsels, not to speak of het and hen and hun and je. On entering this popular resort and looking round, I was addressed by a breathless waiter laden with plates. Waar wou meneer zitten? The shade was deepest under a noble elm, where at this instant I spied an unoccupied seat close to the wooden paling that skirted the enclosure. I didn't know what paling was, but I chanced it, as there was no time for the dictionary. Naast de paling, I said, als tu blieft. The impatient waiter nearly dropped his tray, but recovering himself, he vanished, and I took the seat myself. Another kellner appeared, a slow, grave man in whose district was situated the attractive nook that I had been fortunate enough to secure. The day was broiling hot, as I told you, and I thought I couldn't do better than begin with a little lemon squash. I could have wished to study up my part a little, but as the slow dignitary was already waiting, I asked for a limoen and a glas water. Having greeted my remark twice with belief, he drew himself up and inquired if I wanted limonade. Geen kwestie van, I said, holding out of my pocket the little fat dictionary, that faithful companion of my wanderings. Wacht even. I hurriedly turned up squash, for, on the analogy of meloen, I assumed that le moon was all right for lemon. The verb squash was moesen, the noun moes. This letter I chose, preferring the beverage ready-made, if possible. Ja, kellner, I said. Nu weet ik het al. Bring mij limoenmoes. He raised his eyebrows and said, Bedoelt meneer soms appelmoes? Apple squash? That seemed rather a good idea. It sounded like cider or apple lemonade. Ja, best, I said. Bring mij een glas appelmoes, maar niet te sterk. When he was gone to draw some of this mysterious beverage, who should turn up but Enderby? He had been motoring, and was coming back from Amsterdam, 
when some pinion had given way, and he had to stop at the outspanning for repairs. He came up to me and sat down, saying, "'Well, O'Neill, you're a long way from home. How did you get here? What are you taking this hot weather?' "'Indeed,' said I, "'I don't exactly know. It's apple squash, or rather a sort of apple lemonade, cider, I believe.' "'Ah!' said he, with surprise. You talked English, I suppose. Not at all. Not a word. I never speak English now. It was all Dutch. Then I tell you, you have made progress with the language. For here have I been in Holland for fifteen years, and I never even heard of apple lemonade yet. To tell you the truth, I should not know how to ask for it. My boy, I congratulate you on your linguistic enterprise." The waiter reappeared just then, and Enderby interposed. Meneer heeft iets besteld, niet waar? Wat is dat voor een drankje? Geen limonade? Nee, meneer, said the waiter in a complaining tone. Volstrekt niet. Meneer is wat vreemd, ziet u, want, and here his voice sank to a horrified whisper, meneer eet meloen met appelmoes. Enderby looked at me in speechless astonishment, while the waiter murmured, perhaps as a further suggestion of guilt on my part, We hebben geen paling. Matters had got so involved that I could not explain anything to him, except to say that I had started with the intention of cooling my thirst with lemon squash. He was inclined to be huffy once more. There you are at it again. Look here now. Do take some care about what you say. I'll get that drink for you this time. And, for any sake, if you want quast again, don't say appelmoes. Indeed, I strongly advise you to stick to English, or you'll get into worse trouble yet. And the bee went off in high dudgeon, and I took a long ramble under the trees. It was not long till I shook off the effects of my grammatical skirmishes and began to enjoy the day to the full. In point of fact, I made several sketches, and returning in a couple of hours had luncheon successfully. That was comparatively easy. I had merely to say, coffee, gas, and the meal was ready. Being by this time a trifle tired, I conceived the idea of driving back to The Hague, for it seemed too far to walk. In this design I was encouraged by the presence of a considerable number of vehicles with horses standing about. On examining my dictionary to get the Dutch idiom for drive home, I discovered three curious translations for drive. Rijden, drijven, used, I was informed, of ice, and jagen. Now, seeing that rijden meant to ride, and jagen, to hunt, and the other word was restricted to icebergs, there really appeared to be a lack of the precise term I needed. Obliged thus to circumscribe my meaning, I rapped on my green table and inquired, Kellner, can I compare heaven? The waiter mumbled inarticulately, coughed apologetically, and vanished like a shadow. Presently he came back with a red-faced man who seemed to be the proprietor of the outspanning. What I wanted to say was, have you a horse disengaged to drive me to The Hague? but owing to the defective character of the Dutch vocabulary, this could not be said directly, and I was obliged to go round the point. I went round it thus. Mag ik beleefd vragen, meneer? 
heeft u paarden beschikbaar om mij te dragen this sounded diplomatic and neat and was certainly clear but the apoplectic proprietor looked askance he paused and endeavoured to transfix me with his beady eyes and read my inmost consciousness this being impossible he condescended to the gruff question wou meneer een peert kopen kopen i replied in astonishment oh niet kopen gunst alsjeblieft niet rijden dan was his brusque reply rijden graag i agreed gaarne rijden maar ik ben niet in staat het paard terug te zenden en en ik heb geen ruimte in mijn kamers voor een paard wat dan said he rudely with a kind of dull glare in his black eyes i was getting into deep water there was no use blinking the fact and here was this dreadful man growing more enraged and suspicious every moment perhaps after all i could make something of those three doubtful dictionary words kan u niet i asked with some asperity kan u niet meneer mij laten jagen naar den haag oh hey exclaimed my interlocutor with a sudden access of interest and a kind of wrinkle distantly resembling a smile gaat meneer op de jacht dear me this is too bad i thought for i saw people watching me with a curious air of disapproval and a good many more approaching really i regretted i had not walked to the hague but i was in for it now and with all the sternness i could command i explained sententiously ik wens een paard om mij te trekken in een rijtuig naar den haag ferdinand bolstraat 66a my horsey friend took a step nearer his face ominously darkening and the fierce eyes flashing fine wat wou meneer eigenlijk rijtuig huren of paard kopen of rijden naar de stad of op de jacht gaan of onzin praten i was at my wit's end and deemed it wise to retire as soon as possible from the conversation this i tried to do by means of that agreeable little triplet that had hitherto proved so useful to me och kom i said with a pleasant smile geeft niets hindert niet het komt er niet op aan he was unappeased however so by way of friendly deprecation i added la maar schei er uit this did not appreciably mend matters i assure you at every sentence i uttered his face grew more purple and i was intensely relieved when at that moment one of the interested bystanders ran up hurriedly whip in hand and touching his cap exclaimed drive you the hague sir it was a cab-driver who spoke english oh i could have embraced that man yes said i with effusion yes at once please as quick as ever you can i jumped up on his vehicle and as the vendor of peerden was still hovering unpleasantly near i ventured on one of those despised french verbs it was the only thing i could think of to construct an effective phrase for my exit meneer uitspanning i said waving him adieu ik zal u niet verder derangeren vaarwel good-bye at last there was a faint cheer from the score or two of spectators but no response from my late tormentor what a relief to get away from the intricacies of that dreadful cross-examination
I was flurried and worn, and did not quite recover my equanimity or feel properly cooled down till I was safely ensconced in my rooms in Ferdinand Bolstraat, 66 A. End of chapter 8